This week on Across the Peak, Rich and I talk about our everyday carry items and the stuff that you should probably always have about your person. Welcome to the Across the Peak podcast, the show where Rich and Justin discuss preparedness, the birds and the bees, guns, history, tattoos, and well, basically all the stuff your old man should have taught you. Rich Brown's a failed 70s child actor, retired Marine Corps officer, and former cop. Justin Carroll, he's a washed up former special operator, half-assed author, and adventurer at large. Learn life skills, harden the fuck up, and become a dangerous man. Get your damn boots on, gents, because we're going across the peak. Rich, what's going on, buddy? Another day on the farm, man. The sun is out. Uh, I will say that we were buzzed by Hilo a little while ago, which is kind of weird. Um, we don't really see that out here. And I don't know if they were looking for little marijuana fields. I don't know what the hell that was all about, but it's a little unusual. Huh. You got do you have some marijuana fields? None that I'm willing to discuss. No, no, we don't have any. <laughs> what are you drinking, bro? I'm sitting here having a beer by a company called Peak Brewing out of Portland, Maine, and I am having their coconut lime beer. Uh we were just sitting out on the porch uh, out on the back uh out on the patio, I guess it is, uh in this building, sitting out on the patio having a few of those and it's a uh, I'll tell you, it's a real low gravity beer. I think it's about four and a half percent. And we had four or five of those piece and they are just absolutely delicious. It's man, it's hot and humid here. Like you would not believe. And uh, we both just, uh, just wanted to sit on the porch and cool off for a little bit and, uh, and unwind. And I am enjoying a Guinness stout. Uh, Nothing original about that. Just happen to really love that beer. I mean, there's a lot of good dark beers. Uh, Murphy's is probably my favorite stout. You ever had Murphy's? I have had Murphy's, yeah. Oh, I love that stuff, man. But uh, in a pinch, Guinness will always do. Oh, yeah. I, I love walking into a bar with a group of people and uh, just, I don't care what they want. I love to just walk into an Irish pub and order a round of Guinnesses and uh, guess what? They're going to drink it. Yes, they will. Here's here's an interesting tidbit about Guinness. Did you know that Guinness does not own the building that they do their brewing in? They actually the the guy that founded Guinness back in the 1700s actually signed a lease on that building that is good for nine thousand years. Yeah, I knew that it was something like a thousand or nine thousand or whatever. I think that is a bold move, Colin Cotton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is right, but. Looks like it paid off. Looks like something's paying off for them. Yeah, maybe we should do that. We'll sign a 9,000-year lease uh, for Across the Beak. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you think about this new Guinness stuff, the uh, the Guinness Blonde and, and that sort of stuff? What's you, you got any feelings on that? I've had it. I'm not impressed. I mean, you know, I, I like companies that stick to uh, a product, you know, and just and just really go down deep into that product, you know, i Start diversifying, you start losing uh, a little bit. I don't know my thoughts. Maybe you're, I'm you, old-fashioned. Yeah, you start to you start to dilute your brand a little bit. I kind of like the mentality of like, yeah, this is the one thing we make. If you don't like it, go find something else. Screw you. Yeah, I heard that, uh, and I don't know if this is true or not. Somebody was telling me back in the '80s, Ferraris came in. You can have a Ferrari in any color you want as long as that color was red. You know, and um, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I think there's. Uh, 
I think that tends to create a cult following, and it might be a, it might not be the biggest following, but those people will be loyal. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm kind of anxious to get into today's show, man. Um, this is one of those topics that I don't know if you're going to love it or hate it, or maybe you'll agree with us. And people, you know, people that are really into gear, maybe screaming at, at the end of this episode or whatever. So. Uh, if you want to send some hate mail, I'll get this out of the way up front. Rich at acrossthepeak.com. Uh, if we miss something, uh, let us know about it. But EDC, you know, everyday carry is very intensely personal, man. Where, do, where the hell do we want to start with this thing? Well, uh, I, maybe we should talk about why you should have an EDC system. And, I, I mean, we could we could go way, way down the rabbit hole on this. I've got a backpack that gets thrown in the car just about every time I leave the house and it's not full of, I don't know, wilderness survival crap and stuff like that. It's full of, uh, I mean, it has some things that, uh, you know, ways to recharge my electronics and a first aid kit and a change of clothes, just basic things. Uh, probably not going to need a change of clothes in an emergency. That's not an emergency item. That's something that really comes in handy if you need it. I don't think we're going to go have time probably in one show to go that far down the rabbit hole. Um, kind of what we were thinking when we put this together is kind of just the stuff that is on your body more or less at all times, right? 100%, man. I think let's go ahead and commit to doing that additional show of the things that we carry in our, I call it my intermediate bag or go bag or whatever little term you want to use for it. But like you said, Especially when with inclement weather and stuff like that, if I'm going to be driving, I'll I'll toss that in there because it does have some things that will keep me going for a few days. But like you said, this is this is just what we carry, and I hate you. You can go on YouTube and and watch these videos. Like, this is my EDC, and the guy's dumping out iFat kits and freaking sat phones and all this bullshit. That ain't what jet this boils is. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, just. I, I mean, literally, all the stuff you would need to survive in the like it's got to be a fifty pound pack, yeah. And uh, I, I'm I'm I don't know, man. I'm all about the stuff that I'm actually going to use. There's nothing in my EDC bag, with the exception of the first aid kit. Some of the things in the first aid kit that I haven't actually used before. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of uh, you know. I've got I've got a little bit of food in there. But it's not an MRE. It's not a mountain house meal that I need boiling water. It's it's stuff that I actually snack on when I'm hungry and replenish kind of as I go along. It's uh, and I I really nerd out on you know on things like that, like having a hoodie and a pair or a a, a hat and a pair of gloves in there because I I kind of built this bag when I was traveling all the time and you took off at that airport. You didn't know what the weather was going to be like where you landed. And I've been diverted and everything bad that can happen to you on a flight. I've, I've sat on the runway for four hours and I just like having the, the basic stuff I need on me. But anyway, that's not the stuff we're talking about. So I guess we're, we're teasing a show sometime down the road. Uh, why, why should we have an EDC system, Rich? Well, I mean, there's certain things that you're going to encounter every single day, and then there's things that you want to be prepared for every single day. So really, there's almost like, and we're not going to necessarily label it this way, but there's, um, I have a knife on me that I can open up boxes with, or I'm incredibly well versed in Mr. Michael Janich's uh, Marshall Blade system. So I think I can handle myself with a with an edge weapon as good as just about anybody. Um, so I'm prepared for those events when they come to me, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I, I like the idea 
uh, knowing exactly what my capability is, exactly what I have on me at all times. And this just kind of grew out. I, I started this long before I knew anything about the quote unquote EDC community people, you know, there's a thousand blogs where, and, and forum threads and everything else where people post pictures of their pocket dumps and stuff. Uh, I was kind of into this a long, long time ago. And I just kind of got into it because I'm like, all right, these are the things that I always kind of want to have on me. And it, uh, instantly, I know if something's missing. And conversely, if I get, you know, if I pull out a $20 bill and get $18 and change and stuff that in my pocket, man, I feel like my pockets are just bulging. Like, it's a pretty fine-tuned system. I know exactly what's there. I know if something is missing. And I know if I have too much stuff in my pockets and I need to take the time and put those dollar bills back in my wallet or whatever. Well, and you, I think that's an important thing. You mentioned capability. Like, um, there's a friend that's been teaching me a little bit of rudimentary lock picking. I don't know if you know that guy, but uh, he's been teaching me some stuff. And does that mean that I, I want to carry lock picking on me at all times? I, that might not be something good if I get stopped by the police, but, um, it is a capability I have, but it's not a capability that's consistent with my everyday mission profile or mission set. Does that make sense? That does make sense. And and one thing that that I do carry, I don't carry um, I don't carry lock picks every day, but I and that is something I'm highly highly skilled in. Um, I I can take very minimal tools and do pretty good stuff with them. I always keep an old hotel key in my wallet. And the reason being, I actually had to use this when I was staying at your guest house. Uh, we had gone out for the day, maybe gone out to Knoxville or, or something, and uh, came back and uh, walked up to the door and found that we had locked the door. And I said, well, let me, let me, this, this will take two seconds. Let me just try this. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And we're going to have to go get the key. Pulled that hotel key out of my wallet and did the old credit card trick. You don't want to do that with your actual credit card because there's a pretty good chance it's going to break. But um, that that takes up almost no space on my person. It's a hotel key card that probably a ton of people out there in the world have in their pocket already. So I'm not assuming a lot of risk. It's not taking up a lot of space. There's very little cost to carrying that. And sometimes it can come in real handy. I, I, I'm, I'm going to do that today. I love that idea. So why have an EDC why have an EDC system? Uh, one more time, uh, you always know what you have on you and what your capabilities are, right? You always know where everything is. I mean, my my edge weapon is always in the same pocket every single time, as is my phone. It, and it goes back to the Marine Corps, man. I know the units you were in. Uh, well, I can only speak to the units I was in. We would carry our Topo Mac map like in our right uh, cargo pocket our frags were at one place tourniquets with another everybody knew we were carrying the same crap in the same spot so if you go down and i need the map i know right where to go and that's the same thing with my body you know my i carry my gear in the same exact place every single time so that you and the the side benefit is like you said justin you know when something is missing yeah and, and let me back up just a second rich i i absolutely agree with everything you're saying and, and uh i'm not trying to minimize that and sorry for going backward in the show but uh that credit card trick I, i'm gonna post a blog post on how to do that because uh, my girlfriend was just impressed to death when i pulled that out and i was able to get us into that uh get us into that house without having to go ask for a key. Well, and everybody's, you know, the listeners are hearing that going, oh, Rich Brown's got a guest house. He must have FU money. Not necessarily, folks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and let me say also on that, um, that is a, 
like we trust our audience here are, are pretty good people. We know we've got a lot of thinkers. We've got a lot of smart people here. Uh, and we talk about a lot of skills that could be used for, for bad as well as pure and noble purposes. And that's definitely one of those things that that is not something you ever use on something that doesn't belong to you. That's right. But, it, you know, it goes back to, though, for a long time, maybe, I don't know, probably a year to 18 months, I was really big on um, escaping handcuffs. And I would carry a small handcuff key, like, uh, behind my uh, on my belt line behind me and then in front of me on my belt line. And it's not, if I'm being lawfully arrested, that's not what it's there for, right? It's not for that. It's for the time that I'm being detained against my will, um, Ill, unlawfully detained, I should say. So, yeah, that that's that's exactly what we're talking about. So, if we if you hear us talk about things in this EDC episode, you're like, man, why the why are they carrying that? Is that for some nefarious purpose? Let's get that out of the way. Uh, not the case. Yeah, definitely not the case. So, and and, and on that I, I, on that topic, now get this out. I used to teach uh, when I was teaching a lot of law enforcement. I still teach law enforcement, but not so much defensive tactics anymore. Mo- mostly just firearms. Uh, but when I was doing DT with uh, law enforcement groups, I would teach them counter cuffing techniques uh, just so that they are aware that those skill sets were out there that, you know, you think I've got them in a common cuffing position. This is going to go great for me. They, they're compliant. And the next thing you know, uh, you're getting your head smashed into a wall. So, uh, again, there's a counter to everything. Yeah, that's absolutely right, man. That's absolutely right. And, um, you know, I, I just happen to know from... Uh, if you spend a lot of time in lock picking, you're going to bump into some restraint defeat stuff. And there's a certain way that you should handcuff someone that uh, we'll probably we'll probably let a cop podcast tell you how to do that. But uh, there's there's certain ways you can do that to make it a lot harder, even if the person does have a key. Correct. So where do we start, man? Anyway, yeah, man, we're all over the place, and I feel like this is a big topic that we both have a lot of opinions and thoughts on. And this show might might go a little longer. I I don't know. But I think the first thing that everyone should have on their person is a knife. Why a knife? Well, uh, so there's, uh, there's a handful of reasons for this. And first and most importantly, you and I believe in lawful self-defense. We believe in the, you know, the inherent right to defend yourself against a, a physical attack. And we both carry guns. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. But I'll just tell you, there are a lot more places that you can carry a knife than you can a gun. Um, I have lived in states where you're just not getting a permit to carry a gun. And if you get caught with one, it's a it's a big, big deal. And that's not a risk I'm going to take. I, I, I think there's a bigger risk that I'm going to be caught with that gun and jailed that I'm, I'm going to need to use it. So I'm not going to assume that risk. But I can still legally, or, or in the place I'm thinking about, I can still legally carry a knife. I think that's a big reason right there. Well, knives are ubiquitous too. I mean, even in a um, even in an airport, a lot of times you can get cutlery to cut your food with, and, and you know, so a knife brings with it a cutting edge. They're ubiquitous. There's a, a certain uh, utility that you can use this thing for multi purposes. They're certainly convenient. They're great in an emergency. You can defend yourself with them. I mean, we could go down that rabbit hole for days on on all the reasons why you should. And I'm telling you right now, if you're not you should be, but there's, um, I guess when it comes to it, there's, I guess there's different kinds of blades out there and there's different kinds of where it's fixed blade or folding blade and all this other stuff. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, I, I generally carry a folding knife just because of the, uh, 
it splits a, a kind of the distance between being totally utilitarian and still somewhat convenient to carry. And I think generally, I, I might be wrong about this, but but I feel like generally, a if you have a folding knife that's looked on a little bit more kindly than if you're carrying a fixed blade knife. Uh, I agree, and I and I'm I'm someone that has carried fixed blade knives because here in the state of Tennessee, uh, we have some really generous knife laws that weren't always the case. Um, but I will, and, and I like the fact that a fixed blade is when you pull it out, it's ready to go. You, you could definitely foul flow foul the draw process on a uh, folding knife but there's there's no getting around the utility of having that thing closed in your pocket yeah for sure so um a knife is one of the absolute most basic human tools and aside from the materials that are used in them it it, they haven't evolved a whole lot in the last ten thousand years A, a knife today looks very similar and performs very similar task as a knife did a thousand, five thousand, ten thousand years ago. Even though now we make them out of like really advanced steels, and then they were made out of stone, and then bronze, and and whatever. Uh, but yeah, you you hit the nail on the head with self defense. Uh, if you've got a knife that's made of steel and you have the skill to do this, uh, you can uh, you can use that knife to generate sparks to create a fire. You can do all sorts of survival tasks. You know, cut cordage, skin an animal, uh, pick a splinter out of your finger just innumerable things that a knife can do and i would say if if you gave me the choice uh, uh, justin i'm going to drop you off in the wilderness do you want this uh, handgun or do you want this knife i'm going to take the knife all day long yeah that's an interesting man i yeah i probably would too i haven't really thought about that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go out on a limb and say that's a precisely what i would do but that that's that's a good thought um you want to talk about what you carry and why yeah, absolutely, man. So I carry, and, and I, big shout out to the guy that gave us the name of this podcast. Really great guy. He was, uh, he and I were talking a few months ago, and he's like, man, this is what you should call it. We're, ta- we're talking about this podcast, and he's like, how about you call it this? And I was like, man, you, you nailed it. So I carried an Emerson CQC7 for a long time, and I like uh, like a Tonto style blade. I know a lot of people don't, and if you don't, don't carry one. Uh, I, you're not defending my life. I'm not defending yours. So let's each just do our own thing and, and be happy about it. Uh, but I like the wave feature that's on that that opens the knife as it comes out of the pocket. The problem with the Emerson, I carried it for almost 15 years. Carried it in Iraq. I carried it in the jungle in Thailand, the Philippines. Carried this thing all over the world, and. After about 15 years, the liner lock failed on me, uh, which means I, I could be cutting something and the blade could close on my fingers, and I knew it was time to replace the knife. So this guy that I'm talking about said, hey, check out this knife from Zero Tolerance. It's called the ZT0620, the Zero Tolerance 0620. So it's based, it's designed in collaboration with Ernest Emerson from Emerson Knives, but ZT is generally regarded as, as a much higher quality, smaller knife company. Uh, but it has that wave feature, has a very similar blade style, very similar feel. And I, I'm just thrilled to death of this knife, man. Well, and as you know, I have a, and, and I'll apologize to the listener in advance. I've got a pile of my EDC here. So if you hear stuff clanking around on my desk, I apologize up front. Um, I'm going to talk about a, a few different things, and I'm, I'm sure Justin will put this in the show notes. 
because there are a lot of great knives out there, but it really depends on what you want that knife to do for you. Number one, your skill with it. Number two, and if you don't have the skill, guys got to train with it, man. Whatever knife that you buy, I would encourage you, highly encourage you to get the trainer for it because uh, that's the case for me. Almost everything I've got laid out here, I have the trainer for it, and I, I train on it almost as much as I do with my firearm. So I guess the, the, the knife that I'm currently carrying, and I've gone through a lot of different iterations, is the uh, Cold Steel uh, Black Talon II. And it's it's uh, this is a, one of the considerations I think is in our show notes is the steel that it's constructed out of. Man, you know you can have a great design, but if it's made out of crap steel, it's it's going to be absolutely worthless. And this the steel that's in this knife, it's Carpenter CTS XHP. It's a it's an alloy, air hardened, high carbon, high chromium, corrosion resistant. It's this is just absolutely probably the best steel on the market. The other interesting thing about this cold steel, like you were alluding to, Justin, is having a knife close on you is all bad. I had it happen to me as a young Marine. almost cut my freaking finger off. I had to be taken out of the field and get all stitched up. It was embarrassing. It, it, was, it hurt. I've still got the scar. But anyway, so I don't want that to happen. So one of the things I look for in a folder is the locking system. And the cold steel locking system is, is a, it's called a triad lock. It is the... Uh, not standard in the industry because they hold the patent on it, but it is the best in the industry. 6,000 pounds to break this lock, which uh, which is far beyond anything else out there on the market. So uh, the other thing neat about this, it's you know, G10 scaling on the handle. We already talked about the way. It's got the Emerson Wave Opener. And if you're not, if the listener is not familiar with that, man, I highly encourage this. It's a pretty neat little feature. Um, do you know about this? Do you, does yours have that zero tolerance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's that's what I was saying. That was one of the major things I couldn't give up in whatever knife I went to next, which is why I went with the ZT. Yeah, did you explain what it was? I must have been sleeping during that part. Uh, kind of, yeah. It's a, so it's on the top of the blade. It's this little hook that as you're pulling the knife out of your pocket, the knife clips onto your pocket, and as you're pulling it out, that little hook will catch the corner of your pocket and start to open the blade up as you're coming out. And if you come out fast, you get a nice sharp click, and that blade is just open in your hand when you pull it out. Yeah, there's really uh, almost no faster way to deploy deploy a knife, even if even if it was a fixed blade. It, it doesn't come out much faster. A, a switch blade, a ballistic knife, all these things, it, it's incredible. And, the, and the, this knife that I'm holding here in my hand has that. The final thing is the shape of the blade. Now, because of uh, friends of Michael Janich, I, I train at his uh, camp every year. Like I said, you know, Marshall Blade uh, is the way to go. Not not advertising for them, but check them out. Marshall Blade Concepts and Counterblade Concepts. But he prefers a Warncliffe-style blade design. Are you familiar with that? Yes, yeah, so that's basically the, the cutting edge is completely flat, right? There's no curve curvature to it or no... Correct. Uh, like the ta- the Tonto blade that I have has two dis- distinct cutting surfaces, right? Yeah, the Warncliffe uh, is a flat edge straight. It goes all the way out. The cutting force goes all the way to the tip. And there's a thousand reasons why that's a good thing. But this actually is not a Warncliffe. The, the blade on the Black Talon II is actually curved. It's really wicked looking design and um, because I want to extra push that. Uh, cutting out there the thing and this this design is strictly for self-defense i mean there's not a 
yeah, you can use it for a lot of different things, but the thought that went into this knife, it's a purpose-designed knife for self-defense and the style that I, I train in. So that's a little bit about what I'm carrying now. But I have carried, and I'll just be quick about this, the, the K-Bar TDI a phenomenal little fixed blade knife uh, designed for law enforcement application. Um, I've got a friend of mine. He's a BJJ black belt named Damon Lusky. He owns a company called, um, I believe it's Alpha Knives, phenomenal uh, handmade knives that he makes. And then anything Spider Co, man, I'm a huge fan. I carried the Yojimbo 2 for, for a number of years. Big fan of that, but it didn't have the Emerson wave opener. So that was kind of the downfall for me. That's about all I have to say about that. Yeah, I hate to I I, I hate to mention my knife. I'll, I'll try to find a link to it. Uh, unfortunately, mine is discontinued, and I don't bounce around a lot, man. Once I find something, I like having the exact same things in the exact same place every single day, day in and day out. Uh, this knife is discontinued, so I bought three of them, and uh, one of them I gave to a friend because I'm I'm all about that, man. If you if 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 I've got something and you're my friend, I I. I, I just like that. This is a guy that's in harm's way, happened to be back on some on some R and R time, and I was like, "Hell, man! If you don't have a good knife, here, take this one, and uh, I hope it serves you well." And I'll be honest; I think he cut the shit out of himself with it about ten minutes after I gave it to him. But anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> one other uh, thing on knives, man. Um, this is my, my probably my favorite, but I, I messed up the clip on it. I got to get it fixed. Uh, I had kind of transitioned from the Black Talon 2 to this knife. This is the Spyderco Matriarch 2. Absolutely flawless. Love this thing. But the clip, man, they they catch on everything and bend, and it just pisses me off. They need to get that fixed. The uh, black, the cold steel clips are probably a little bit more robust, and Spyderco needs to fix that. But, yeah, man. Um, uh, one other thing on that, you know, uh, Craig Douglas, we've uh, – who's South Narc, if you're not familiar with him, uh, uh, absolutely phenomenal, wrote the book on gun grappling and extreme close quarters combat, phenomenal guy. He he created something called a clinch pick, and it's a collie blade design. So the blade, instead of facing forward, it's facing rearward. So I only bring that up to say you got to think about how you're going to use that knife. That knife might work for you, but only if you train in that system. There's also a lot of these... Uh, what is that new knife that's real hot right now? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's, no, no, I don't. It's a, oh man, I'll have to I'll have to find it and come back to you. But there's a lot of different knife designs on the market right now, man. But really, find how you're going to use it, how you're going to train with it, and learn that system and buy that style knife. And like you said, don't don't deviate from it too much. Yeah, and and for most people, uh, I I've seen the knife you carry, and I'll. I'll be honest, it, that knife is probably just phenomenal for self-defense. Um, I prefer to go with a much more generalist knife. Uh, I, I like something that if I found myself in the middle of the forest, I could use to you know, carve stuff and it, a little more uh, multi-purpose. And I generally try to reserve my blade for, for self-defense type of applications. I don't use this knife to open packages. Matter of fact, this ZT has never cut anything. I pull it out. Um, I, I maintain it. Uh, it. It doesn't get used for day-to-day cutting chores, um, but it is a very versatile knife if I had to use it to you know, process small firewood or cut cordage or just perform general 
kind of tasks. Yeah, Karambit, Justin. That was what I was. Oh, okay. Yeah, for. yeah. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? The one that has the ring on the end. Yeah, sure do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You can find a lot of YouTubes of people flipping these things around. I mean, I don't know why you'd want to do that, but but uh, again, think about how you're going to use it. Let me just throw another plug for another knife out there that I own and I don't carry, but I wish I did. And probably some people are going to get mad about this one because these knives are so ridiculously expensive. So the guy that the guy that I was talking about earlier that recommended the zero tolerance, he is just one of those guys that knows knives, thinks about knives constantly, knows everything there is to know. And this guy sent me a he's like, hey, I want to send you a gift. And I opened the package up and he sent me a Chris Reeve Sabenza. And it's the small version. And those things are about 400 bucks a piece. He didn't pay that for it. He actually bought a used one. Uh, really cheap and using the lifetime guarantee on those knives sent it in and had it completely refurbished and gifted it to me and um, it's not a tactical knife it doesn't have the wave it doesn't have a you know a great big hole for one-handed opening and all that it has a little thumb stud but as a general purpose really classy really upscale knife I would say definitely check that out if you have the money for it and that's that's not a thing I would have spent the money on but as a gift man I, I was just pleased as punch to get that as a gift. Yeah, and and uh, like you, man, I, I just saw another knife laying here. I'm going to give them a plug to Benchmade Sock P. Uh, if if I was still running and gunning as a young Marine, and I, you know, I don't wear plate carriers anymore, Justin. Didn't know if you know that, but I have no need to have one. But if I did, and I was doing that kind of stuff for a living again, I would probably have one of these little Sock P daggers on my plate carrier because they're just pretty pretty neat piece of gear. Um, and if we don't change the subject, I'm going to be stuck on knives all day. <laughs> okay, you, yeah, you can, you can definitely talk about some knives. I didn't see this coming. But uh, all right, so I always have a knife on my purse. I always have my ZT0620. The next thing, that, and, and this is, man, this is almost like a priority list of what I put in my pocket first when I'm getting dressed. Uh, the next thing is a flashlight. I always have a flashlight on me. It gets dark every single day, which means every single day there is a potential that you are going to have to provide light for yourself. Every single day you will have to provide light for yourself. And normally you just turn on the light switch and you have light. Sometimes that doesn't happen though. Uh, So I used to recently, before I, in the last place I lived, I just moved about a month ago. In the last place I lived, it's in a major city, but it's in an old part of town. And I'll tell you, man, at least once a month, the power would go out in in half the half the town. I don't know. I don't just old infrastructure. I don't know what the deal was, but it seemed like the power was going out all the time. Now, that was in a small two story house uh, that I was renting and not not a huge deal. But a lot of people, probably a lot of our listeners live in very large buildings or work in very large buildings. And if the power goes out and you need to get out of that building, you're just hoping that all the emergency lighting and, and all that stuff works. And, and hopefully it does. But if the power has already failed, something else might fail as well. And I, I want to be able to have the ability to light my own way. And then there's a lot of other uses for this. I think you said it in an episode, let me like put this flashlight in your pocket and tell, you know, come back to me in a month and tell me how many times you've used it. You'll use it for looking for stuff under the couch. You'll use it for just all kinds of purposes. I mean, as simple as uh, me and my girlfriend walking the dogs at night, using that to, to just to see, to pick up dog poop, like doesn't have to be anything big, but 
man, having a flashlight is just so convenient and useful. Yeah, I, w- I want to own the environment that I'm in. And if I'm in a, a limited visibility bar- environment, I want to be able to dominate that environment with, with the flashlight. And I know that sounds weird to say, but I mean, that's that's kind of what we're talking about here, how to how to succeed in any environment you find yourself in. And this is a tool to help you do it. Uh, and one of the most amazing things you can carry on a freaking airplane today is a high lumens flashlight, like some of the ones that we're going to talk about. Uh, you can light your way in an emergency. You can strike with a freaking thing. They've got a, a lot of the self-defense high lumens flashlight have a have a crenulated bezel around it that you can use to strike with and you know shave a chunk of somebody's face off with if you have to. I mean, there's a million and one purposes. But what I don't like to see people doing is, well, I don't care when I just use my phone and I use the light on my phone. What if you need to be talking on your phone? At the same time, you need to be using the light on your phone. Uh, or I hear guys say, "I don't carry a I don't carry a flashlight." Cause see, Rich, I've got I've got a flashlight on my firearm. So, well, that's cool, bro, and I appreciate that. But sometimes I want to see something in the dark without pointing my freaking muzzle at it. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would totally agree with that. And a couple other little uh, little tidbits there. I talked about a knife being being able to carry a knife in more places than I can carry a gun. I can carry a flashlight in more places than I can carry a knife if we're, if we're looking at this from a self-defense perspective. Uh, the other thing, those crenellated strike bezels or crenellated bezels on a flashlight, what that means is if you look at the lens of the flashlight, where the light comes out, there'll be a raised metal ring around it with little uh, semicircles cut out of it. So you kind of have some sharp points on that. And Rich... Um, I don't know the veracity of this. I haven't independently verified this, but I was told the the original reason for that crenellation, uh, and this was a guy that had done a significant amount of training at Surefire's training facility. Uh, do you know what that is? And it's no. not self-defense. No, what is it? So what this guy told me is that you could set the flashlight up on its lens, um, basically with the with the light facing downward, set that on a map, turn the flashlight on, and just get some nice diffuse light spilling out around the sides instead of having to hold your flashlight way back to point it at the map. No, I hadn't heard that, but that that certainly could be. But I'll tell you what, it, it's got a great secondary purpose as a striking implement. It sure does. So um, I, I'll be, I, I'm not going to BS you, man. I don't carry a like a big tactical light. I carry a very small single AAA uh, a flashlight that its default setting is not terribly bright. It has a couple other settings. It has a really dim one for reading and a really bright one for, uh, I guess, self-defense purposes or, or whatever the case may be. And that's not ideal. If you're going for strictly self-defense, you should have one button and it should be on or off because uh, if it has multiple settings, probably going to end up in one that you don't want it in. But just for my day-to-day use, I, I, I use this thing 10 times a day that's probably an exaggeration. I use it probably every single day almost though. And man, there is nothing like having a flashlight when you need one. Every, you know, everybody else is pulling out their phones and whatever. And I have my phone, but I we'll talk about phones next. I prefer to save that battery for, uh, for other stuff. Yeah. The flashlight. I mean, I was at a hockey match one time and um, a hockey game, whatever. And uh, the power went out. I think it was Bridgestone stadium in Nashville. And of course it, Took a little bit for the generators to kick on, but flashlight came out. We were able to get moving down and out of there 
because I don't know what's going on. I don't know if there's been an attack. I don't know what the hell's going on. It could be a fire. I'm going to start moving to an exit, and when the power comes back on, that'll be great. I'll return to my seat. Uh, but I was like the only flashlight that clicked on almost instantaneously in the whole arena was mine. So um, you want to be prepared for that? I will tell you that, and, and full disclosure up front, Streamlight had sponsored some of our um, shows on the other podcast that I have, and they sent us some products. And um, I really fell in love with their gear, so I have no problem in saying uh, the Streamlight ProTac 1L or 2L, and it uses the, is it the CRV-123 lithium battery? I think that's the name of it. Yeah. The 1L has one in it. The 2L has two in it. The 1L is like a roll of nickels. I mean, it would make a great punch if you had to. I like the where the controls are on it. It's very simple, elegant design. High lumens. I think it's probably, I don't know, 150 or 200 lumens. So uh, not so much that when you turn it on, it's going to blind you if it hits a white wall and washes that light washes back in your face. You don't want to temporarily blind yourself, but it is great to... Uh, temporarily blind someone if you needed to in a, in a self-defense situation or strike with. But another one a good friend of mine turned me on to recently, he gave me one to try out, and I, I'm really digging it. It's the uh, it's made by 511. It's their TMT PLX. It's a great little flashlight. Um, it, it's a AA battery, which is always a, a good thing. They're a little bit more easy to get a hold of. But it's a great little flashlight. I got no complaints. Those are the I'll either carry one of those three on my person at all times. Yeah, I, I so I carry a Phoenix LD02. Uh, it's a single AAA. It's about the size of a tube of chapstick, and man, just the utility of that thing is absolutely phenomenal. It's like a twenty dollar flashlight. So I have one in my pocket. I have one in my backpack, uh, kind of as a backup, or I could hand it to someone else if if I needed to, or or, or whatever. But uh, for the money, for the size, just the portability and the convenience, man, it is a phenomenal little light. Yeah, and I don't know if you've been to D.C. recently, but, you know, we were up there going to the Smithsonian's, and I was carrying a, a folding knife and a flashlight, and um, I was afraid something might happen, so I didn't have a high-dollar knife on me. And, of course, lo and behold, they I had to throw my knife away, but the flashlight was not a problem. So I've never been anywhere where they said I could not carry the flashlight from a plane or wherever else. So that that's all I have to say on the the flashlight. You want to talk about cell phones or did you have anything else on the? No, I, no, I, I'm, I'm pretty much good on that, but yeah, I mean, especially if you're, I mean, it doesn't matter, big city, rural, whatever the case may be. I was going to say, especially if you're in a big city and you're deep in the bowels of a building, you want to have a light on, on that, on your person. Uh, but that goes for rural too, especially, uh, you know, on some, unlit backcountry roads and stuff you you want to have a light on your person in case you find yourself changing a tire or like we talked about in episode six or or whatever so i'm going to say the next thing you should have on you and this probably i'm not going to have to work real hard to talk people into this one is a cell phone um a cell phone can be a backup flashlight but it should only be a backup it shouldn't be your main flashlight um and a cell phone is way more than just a time waster. First of all, it's life support equipment. If you have to call 911, uh, if you have a medical emergency, if you see a fire, if you are the victim of some sort of crime, if you participate in active self-defense, you want to be the one calling the calling the police as a uh, you know as a thoughtful, resilient, badass individual. 
you're going to be the person that's going to have the cool head to be able to give an accurate description of what's going on, let first responders know what they need to know coming into that, uh, keep your head about you, and, and get help on the way, whatever that emergency happens to be. Um, you're, go ahead, Rich. No, I was just, the whole time you're talking, I'm thinking this uh, episode really ties in well with our our motto, you know, be safe, and if you can't be safe, be dangerous. So things like the flashlight and the cell phone are great for helping you be safe, but we're also got things on this list of our everyday carry that helps us be dangerous when the time calls for it. I'm sorry, I'm just stuck in my head. No, you're good, man. I, that, I, I like that a lot. But uh, but anyway, your, your phone is way more than just a, a time waster. You can store a multitude of information on it. You can have, uh, I mean, you've got a computer in your pocket that can be your calculator. It can be your uh, camera. If you have an auto accident, it can be your, it, it, it can fill all these different needs. And as, you know, as much as I Rich, you know, I'm the, I'm the privacy guy. As much as I dislike the privacy implications of, of a cell phone, I think it's a really important tool. And, you know, I think we should all have one on our person. I think we should all probably work to maybe waste a little bit less time on that phone and spend a little bit more time in the real world. But uh, that, that phone is just an incredible tool. Actually, let's do a show about that. Let's do a show about breaking your, your smartphone addiction. Ooh, I love it. Um, the only thing I would add to that, man, I don't, I don't, like you said, I don't think we have a hard time convincing them of a utility of a cell phone. But, um, when we go, when we think about it on safety, um, uh, for the listener, I was the regional manager for preparedness, uh, disaster preparedness here in the state of Tennessee. And I was responsible for the host state and government operations and all kinds of stuff. But, um, the, I will say the Red Cross has some amazing life-saving apps that are absolutely free. Uh, there's one even for uh, pet first aid uh, and everything in between. So please check them out. Speaking, speaking of pet first aid, there's my wolfhound. That's right. But yeah, you'll de- you'll definitely want to get some of those uh, life saving apps on your phone as well. Yeah, for sure. And uh, hey, man, maybe that's a little uh, maybe that's a little article you could write about um, that we could o- offer some additional content about some apps you should maybe think about having on your phone. Right on. Let's do it to make yourself more competent and more dangerous. So the next the next thing I've got on here is cash money. And this will come as, I, I don't know, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that don't use cash on a daily basis. I use cash for almost everything. I, I feel like it makes me more financially accountable. Uh, I have this much money to get from this payday to this payday. That's what I've got to work with uh, for all my elective purchases, my grocery store trips, all that stuff. I feel like there's an element of privacy to it that I like. I, I prefer the the not creating a permanent record that will last for the rest of my life of exactly what I bought at the grocery store on this date. Uh, and there are some really practical reasons to have cash. So uh, the first one is some places don't take credit. And my girlfriend and I ran across this a couple of weeks ago. We were going to this outdoor uh, beer farm. Uh, it's a brewery on this farm, and there's no indoor or very limited indoor seating. But the point in going is to sit outside, and it's, you know, bring your own food, buy beer there, stay as long as you want, have a good time. So we stopped at this little burger place. It's in a gas station that looks like it's out of business. Man, I'm telling you, Rich, this place doesn't look like anything. 
you go in and the first thing you see is a big uh, a big shelf with hooks on it full of fishing lures and you can get your hunting license in there and you can buy a quarter of diesel or a gallon of diesel exhaust fluid and in the back there's a little burger counter with the best damn hamburgers I've ever had and guess what they don't take anything but cash money in there yeah, there's a lot of places like that. Like a lot of barber shops are the same way, man. Just cash or or nothing. And the last thing you want to do is get your haircut and not be able to pay for it. Um, I was kind of looking over the notes and was talking to my dad about this, and um, he said, "Well, you need to know that um, you know if something happens to me, I've got like two thousand dollars in cash in his wallet at any one time." I'm like, my God, you know, what do you need that for? And he's like, "I don't want to be anywhere and not have the means to pay for what I have." And that's something that my grandfather, uh, to the day he died, he had $5,100 bills in his pocket at all times. Now, does it need to be that uh, voluminous? I would say no. Uh, but you do need to have, and I, I personally, I carry five $20 bills on me. Do you think that's enough, Justin? Or I, I do. And so I, I think if you're the person that is absolutely never going to use cash and you don't want it taking up room in your wallet, here's what I'd do. I'd go to the bank and get a $100 bill. I would fold it up, and I would stick it back somewhere. So, But you have that cash if you need it. If you're the person that never goes anywhere, that doesn't take credit, never uses cash, well, that's fine. That $100 bill is going to last you a long time until you really, really need it. And $100 is probably enough to you know, get you a tank of gas, get you you know, pay for whatever you need to pay for. And there, there's also some like kind of preparedness, emergency, whatever you want to call it reasons for this. And I've seen this personally where there are widespread power outages due to a storm, due to a hurricane. And guess what? Credit, credit card machines don't run. You can still get a tank of gas if you've got the money to pay for it, but the communication system is out or whatever. Uh, credit cards were, were not an option. It was cash money or nothing. And I, you know, like your dad, I never want to find myself in a situation where I really need something and the only way to pay for it's cash and, and I don't have it. And I don't keep, uh, I don't keep $2,000 in my wallet. I generally have, I'm going to say probably, eh, probably around $500 in my wallet, uh, most of the time. And I, I definitely have some cash at home. I usually keep about $5,000 in cash money, um, at home, just, I don't know, somebody wants to, somebody's got a gun for a sale that I want to buy. I've got the money to pay for it right there. If, if there's some sort of emergency, if, if, uh, you know, my dog gets hit by a car and I've got to rush her to the vet, I've got the money to pay for it. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of situations where I would need that. I'm sure if, if I'd actually prepared for this episode a little more, I could probably think of another reason or two, but I think having some cash is good, and I think having a little bit, enough to pay for, you know, like I say, a, a meal, a tank of gas, something like that, always on your person is probably a really good idea. All right, and then the last thing that we're going to talk about today that uh, you and I both carry on our person all the time is a firearm. And this is not a generalist tool. This is a highly, highly specialized tool that is basically good for one very specific problem set. This isn't good for the guy that's getting a little loud with you in the bar. This isn't good for this isn't good for a lot of problems. It's good for a very, very specific problem. The reason that we choose to go with such a specialized tool, even though by nature we're generalists and we tend to uh, tend to choose things that serve a wide variety of needs, is because one, and probably most important, the consequences of this uh, of 
a circumstance where I would use a firearm would be essentially death to me, one of my family members, or, or grievous bodily harm to one of those people. Uh, this is this is again, this is not to use to end a fist fight. It's not to use to end. It's not to scare someone off. This is to use in the gravest extreme when there is literally life on the line and there is no choice. And I I draw a pretty hard line on this. If I use my gun, it is because I have been forced to. I don't want to. I don't want the legal uh, stuff that comes with having used a firearm. I don't want the legal liability. I don't want the civil liability. I don't want the ethical liability. I don't want to spend months and months and hundreds of thousands of dollars in court. I'd prefer to avoid the situation altogether, and that is the God's honest truth. Uh, but if push comes to shove and it's me or you, it's not going to be me, not today. Yeah, I totally agree with that, man. Um, the firearm is there, and, and I'm, the way I look at it is it's there to save a life only. And it, the, the listener may be like, well, how's that possible because the gun is going to terminate a life? It's, I'm only terminated a life to save a life. That's the only thing. And if you pull a fire, if, if I was to pull a firearm, the first thought is, whose life am I saving right now? And if the answer is, well, I don't really know, put the damn gun away. It's it, This is not, um, it's not for that. Like you said, it's a very specialized tool. And uh, you and I both take it, uh, take the carrying of a firearm. Yeah, it's a constitutional right, but it's also... There is nothing more extreme than than you know using that level of force on another human being. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. And you know, we'll we probably have a, a suite of episodes coming about firearms, about concealed carry. Maybe one of the episodes that we should get on get get in here is maybe we could have uh, Andrew Bronca come in and talk about the law of self defense. I feel like there's just so many misconceptions and bad information out there about about what you can and can't do. Um, and, and man, I, I feel like that's just so important to understand what is legally permissible and what is not. Yeah, I'm sure he'd love to come on the show. Andrew's a good friend. And for those of you that aren't familiar with Andrew's work, um, he's an attorney and he wrote the book, The Law of Self-Defense, and he is the expert on its use. So um, for the person that's listening to this, Justin, that does not carry a firearm, uh, why should they do that? I mean, are we trying to convince them that they should, or just what do you think? Well, here's the thing: I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell anybody they should or shouldn't. That is a very, very personal decision, and I think there are some reasons you should consider not carrying a firearm. And this might sound counterintuitive, uh, but first of all, if you don't have the mental aptitude to be aware of, of that gun and to uh, basically to to be able to to mentally defend that gun. And what I mean by that is you, you can't throw it in a purse and then hang your purse on the back of a chair in a restaurant and walk away to the salad bar to go fill your salad up again. Or you can't put it in your, you know, your backpack and come home and set that backpack down by the front door when you're, you know, your small children are walking around that backpack. I think you ha- it's a very, you have to be very mentally sharp and you have to always guard that gun from friendlies, from, and I, I'm not saying like physically defend it with kicks and punches. I'm just saying you, you, you can't just leave it laying around. You have to constantly be aware of safety uh, and all that stuff. Uh, I think you probably shouldn't carry one if you don't have the physical ability to use it. Um, and, and that means it's, you just don't have the physical strength to manipulate that firearm effectively. 
Uh, and to some extent, I, I think you should have a little bit of knowledge about how to how to physically defend that gun with kicks and punches and strikes and that sort of thing if, if someone tries to take it away from you. Uh, and then if you don't have the will to use it, if you have no desire and you're like, I will not carry a gun, brother, I'm going to be the last person in the world to tell you that you need to you need to get over that and carry one. Because if your head's not in it, you're probably more of a liability. Yeah, and I would say this is going to be an abbreviated discussion on on something that we really need an entire episode devoted to because uh, I could go a lot of, a lot of ways with this. If if you're carrying a firearm and you have no no weapons retention skills at all, you when I say weapons retention, you look at me with a blank stare. You shouldn't be carrying that firearm because you have to be able to safeguard it. And you were I think you were right in in alluding to that a moment ago. Um, it's not just safeguarded in your home, it's safeguarded when you're carrying it. And when I went to the police academy many moons ago, I remember one of the instructors saying, what percentage of calls do you think you will go on as a police officer where there will be a firearm involved? And he invited the students to, you know, give their thoughts on this. And often you would hear 10%, oh, maybe 25%, I don't know, 1%. And the answer is, folks, 100% percent of the time because you as a police officer brought the firearm to that uh, event. Same thing as an armed citizen. As an armed uh, citizen now, everywhere I go, I brought a firearm, whether that's to the bank, the voting booth, or to a nice restaurant, or wherever I'm at, there's a gun there. And I'm uh, cognizant of that fact everywhere I go, and I do defend it, whether that means blading my body a little bit so that the firearm is further away from the individual, whatever. But I don't want to go too far down that road because I, I can go all day on that, and I and I certainly don't want to. But let me uh, it, let, let me just say one other thing about that. So you carry a gun everywhere that you possibly can. I do too. If, if it is legal for me to carry a gun, I, I carry a gun there. Uh, I, I put it on when I get up in the morning and get dressed, and I take it off when I'm going to bed that night. I, I carry a fairly small gun. It's not, not that much of an inconvenience. But here's the other thing I would say. If you're, if you're on the fence about this or you're one of these people that says, uh, yeah, I'm not going anywhere that I can't take my gun, I would say maybe you need to reconsider why you're carrying a gun. Uh, I, like on, you know, on the one hand, I admire that dedication to be defended, but also, uh, Rich, I know you travel to Europe all the time and you can't take your gun to Europe and you're, you're missing out on a lot of life. If you say, Nope, I am not going anywhere that I can't take my gun. Yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I, I will disarm myself a lot of times if, if I really want to go to that place, whether it's a museum or a, a, a sporting event or whatever that you go into an arena where they won't allow it. That's no problem because I am the weapon system and it's not me being cocky. That. That's my mental aptitude. That's how I view it. Uh, you know, millions of years of evolution has made me and you, the listener, the dominant apex predator on the planet. The firearm is just a tool I use to exert my will. Um, so I'm fine with with leaving a firearm because I'm never disarmed. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and you know, like I'm not bad-mouthing anybody's decision or whatever, but... Uh, you know, a, a lot of people have even said to me, like, 
I, I've lived in some firearms restrictive places optionally. I've chosen to live in, in a state that you, you just don't have a lot of options and you can't carry. And people are like, well, I don't understand. I would never move to a place like that. And for me, my philosophy is guns kind of complement my life. They're not the reason I'm alive. My, my reason I'm alive is not to carry a gun. I carry a gun in case I have to save a life with it. And I, I, I don't know, man. It's a compliment to my life. It doesn't drive every decision in my life. Agreed. So what do you carry? Well, right now I carry, at the time we're recording this, I carry a Smith & Wesson M&P Shield, which is a uh, small striker-fired uh, 7 plus 1. Uh, that's that's how many rounds it holds. Seven in the magazine, one in the chamber, uh, nine millimeter. Um, and I carry at the appendix inside the waistband position, which means it's the holster is inside my waistband at, you know, just to the right of my belt buckle, kind of in the front of my body. Uh, I'm not going to get into all the benefits of appendix carry and all that. But I'm also, uh, I have another gun that I have uh, paid the deposit on and Whenever it gets here, I'll probably be carrying that. Yeah, okay. So I carry, uh, you know, again, appendix carry. We can get into that in the, in the in a future show why that is the way I, I carry, and you obviously carry that way as well. Um, I carry Glock 19 is kind of what, what my jam is right now. Uh, 15 in the magazine, one in the chamber. Um, I'm familiar with Glock handguns. been carrying one for 26 years, so rather proficient with it. I like the 9 mil. Uh, cartridge, so I carry either a Glock 19 or a Glock 26. Uh, 26 is the subcompact. I think it's 10 rounds and then one in the chamber. But my eyesight has been failing lately, uh, Justin, as I've gotten older. Uh, that's what you have to look forward to, my dear friend. So I have decided to go with a red dot sight, uh, which we can talk about on another show. I'm not convinced that this is the perfect red dot sight, but it's what I have on me now. And I've chosen to run a Streamlight TLR6, which has a light laser combo on it. Um, that's on my 19. Now, the 26 is what it is. But I think you can't really have a discussion about the firearm you carry without, in some way, talking about the holster because it is a system. You can't have one necessarily without the other, or you shouldn't be carrying one without the other. Uh, do you want to talk about your holster that you're currently running? Yeah, so currently I'm running a Dark Star Gear holster. It's a it's a Kydex holster. Um, like I said, it's a inside the waistband, which means it goes inside my pants. Which, which I, I I I think a lot. Of, I think most people probably carry that way. It's just possible to get the gun much closer to your body. I can, you know, just throw on a very light T-shirt and and conceal the gun. I don't have to worry about wearing a you know a bulky sweater or something. Um, I, I mean, you've been around me quite a bit when I'm wearing this gun. And if I didn't, if I didn't tell you, you'd never know. No, I agree with that. Uh, the holster that I'm running right now, uh, is one of two varieties. It's either, uh, and again, full disclosure, um, they're a sponsor on the other show that I have precision holsters. They ha- they make an ultra appendix, uh, holster that I really like, and um, I also use a good friend of mine, Shane Hemphill, over at works.com, and we'll put links to this in the show note. Uh, he's been making me holsters for several years now. I love his products. Big fan of Kydex, uh, and there's a lot of reasons for that, which maybe we can talk about on another show. But, um, yeah, man. Oh, and 
sometimes I will run, depending on what I'm wearing, I think this is important. The reason I got the Glock 26 is because I wanted to be able to run an ankle. And Galco makes what I think is the best ankle holster on the market. It, I think they call it the um, the ankle glove. Absolutely phenomenal product. And if, you're, if you run that because of the office environment that you find yourself in, you won't be disappointed by that ankle holster. Yeah, I've never, I've never carried an ankle holster to be honest. So, the, yeah, the gun I am waiting on is a is a custom 1911, which uh, is just a completely different animal than what I'm carrying now. And I'm sure, I'm sure when I finally get that thing, because it's it has to be built. I put a deposit on it. Gunsmith builds up uh, like one gunsmith builds this entire thing by hand i'm i'm really really excited about that so i'm absolutely positive there will be some articles on it on the uh blog when it finally gets here and i have to pay off the balance on it (laughs) the um uh there's a couple things i do want to touch on before we jump off here i know that in our show notes we justin we've got belt uh but before we get that i've been kind of I've had my pile of EDC on the left-hand side of my desk, and as we discuss it, I've moved it to the right-hand side, and there's something laying here that I, I do want to discuss. It's my keys. Okay, yeah, I've, I've got, got, a, I've got, I got I want to talk about that too. Yeah, I've got a couple things on here. Um, I, I won't bore the audience with them. I've got like a, a handcuff key from my former life as a cop. I've got a small streamlight makes a little push-button light just in case everything goes down. I've still got that one, but I've also got... And I just recently purchased this thing. It's a, it's made by Asp, which is the company that makes the expandable batons. And it's a little um, mace sprayer that is disguised kind of as a kubaton. If you're, if the listener's familiar with that, it's a small striking implement that I can also do some manipulation with. I can do some PPCT, which is pressure point control tactics. It's a great little tool that also has OC spray in it, which I am a huge fan of. If you do not carry a firearm, that's not your jam. You don't you don't want that kind of uh, thing in your life, then I would strongly encourage you to get some OC spray, man. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Actually, I've talked to I've talked to my girlfriend about getting some pepper spray for her. She's definitely not interested in carrying a gun, and uh, I'm not interested in trying to talk her into it if, if she's not. I think that's a decision that you have to come to on your own. So, But she is definitely willing to carry some, uh, some pepper spray. She's a big runner, so... Yeah, I'd, I'd like for her to have something. Anyway, uh, two bonus items here. I think everybody should carry a belt or wear a belt. I, I don't think you should carry one. I think you should wear one. And I have a belt that has, I don't even know how to describe this buckle, but basically you can infinitely adjust this belt from being, from fitting like around my wrist all the way to fitting around my waist and having a little room to spare. And I really like that style of buckle because if I had to, in an emergency, I could use this belt as a lashing to tie stuff together, to tie something down. I could use it potentially as a tourniquet. I could use it for just all manner of things other than just being, just holding my pants up. I think having a belt on you is something that it takes up almost no space. It's something that you probably have on anyway, and it's something that could potentially be uh, big in an emergency if you choose the right belt I, I the odds that you're going to have to use that are really low but the cost for carrying it is almost zero because you're probably wearing one already just choose a good one that that would work in that fashion would you agree with that rich yeah and really i, I normally start my edc discussions with with people 
with the belt and I work my way out from there because it is a foundational item. Highly important. And again, uh, full disclosure, Precision Holsters, another sponsors me on an, another show I do. Uh, they make a Precision Tactical Concealed Carry Nylon Belt. is absolutely phenomenal. It, it's not cheap, but you get what you pay for. I uh, also will run a 511 belt sometimes. Or if I look what I'm wearing needs to be like a, just a normal plain brown leather belt, it Columbia makes a great one. You want a leather, you want a belt system that is a, that is pretty doggone rigid. And like you said, Justin, that can hold up more than just your pants. It can carry the weight of a firearm or other tools that you may have on your person. Um, the belt is critically important. Yeah, that is especially true if you're carrying a firearm. Uh, so let me let me just hit my keys real quick. So I carry two things on my keys. I carry a USB flash drive that is very, very heavily encrypted that has a backup. I think it's a 128 gig flash drive that has a backup of all my most important files. Basically, my mentality there is if, uh, you know, if my house burned down and I had to run out of the house with nothing but my pants on, I wouldn't lose all my really, really important files. Uh, I'd be able to, uh, you know, my password manager database, I'd be able to get into my accounts, I'd be able to get my financial accounts back and all that good stuff. And the other thing I have on there is a tiny little fire starter. And the reason for that is I do a lot of outdoor stuff and not all of it's like hardcore backcountry stuff where I don't have my car keys on me or my keys in my pocket. A lot of it's just, hey, we're going to go for a little hike here or or like the story you related about uh, you and Mike and Todd going up to the top of that mountain and then you started worrying about getting socked in by weather. I do a lot of that type of stuff like, hey, let's pull off here and go for a hike. Hey, we're going like car camping, but we're going to be doing some hiking. I like the idea of having the ability to start a fire at any given time. And the reason for that is it, it, again, this is a very, very small thing. It takes up hardly any space, but if you need a, if you need a fire, actually need one, you probably need it right then. And there's almost no substitute for that. Yeah. And I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I I like the, the thumb drive idea. I think I'm going to incorporate that. But one of the things you said got me, got me thinking about, one of the more useful acronyms we had in the military. And when you talked about, I'm just going to pull off the road and go for a hike. Don't forget your got And I don't know if you remember what that was, Justin. Uh, got, do you remember? Yeah. Uh, going where I'm going. Others, who else is going with me? Uh, time, what to yeah, do. Time, time of my return. Yeah. And- uh, what I'm going to do if I'm attacked and then, a was attack what to do if you're attacked or something yeah, like that. Yeah, what to do if I don't return. And then, oh, that's right. Yeah, A, actions to take if I'm hit or actions to take if you're hit. Um, so just something to consider, man. If, you, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, I highly encourage you to live that life. And like Justin saying, pull off the damn road and get out there and stretch your legs, whatever. But it doesn't hurt to leave a, you know, text a quick got what to someone so they know you're out. Um, I think we should probably leave it there for today, man. Anything else you want to cover? Uh, man, I, yeah, I think we, I think we should probably knock off and and you know, like you say, Rich, there's, dude, there's a myriad of other stuff that we could talk about in our our intermediate bags. I, I get, maybe I'll adopt your terminology there, um, and that's going to have to be. I, I do want to do that episode, but that's going to have to be its own episode. I think. Yeah, because we'll be here all day. Um... And I think they would enjoy a, a thoughtful discussion about the intermediate bag and not just glossing over the stuff maybe that we carry in our cars. Then there's the intermediate bag. So there's some other things that uh, 
Do you have a book of the week, my friend? I sure do, man. And I love this little book. It is called Pocket Ref by Thomas J. Glover. And this book is not much larger than a pack of cigarettes. And it's it's got a dark, dark navy blue, almost black cover, gold letters that just says Pocket Ref and the author's name. And this thing literally can fit in your pocket. And it holds just about every piece of information you can imagine. There's 800 pages in this thing. It's on very thin, like what I would call like Bible paper, just this incredibly thin paper. And anything you can think of that could be put into a chart, like capacitor color codes, capacitor standard values, um, uh, month birthstones, uh, U.S., um, U.S. area codes, U.S. airport or airport codes worldwide, uh, all these different size conversions from standard to metric, military ranks, um, the size of pipe you should use depending on what the water pressure is, and and man, just signs of the zodiac, flowers for each month. Uh, I, I'm looking at the list, and this list is absolutely massive. Uh, world time zones, money, currency exchange rates etc 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 this book is to buy it brand new in paper format which is the format i think you should have it in this thing's 12 bucks and it is well worth it it's in the fourth edition and man i pull this thing out i keep it in the glove box of my car i pull this thing out all the time and frequently i just flip through this and learn something because there it is just a wealth of knowledge um are you familiar with this book rich Oh, yeah. My dad had one growing up. I mean, it's been around for quite some time, um, and it, it's indispensable. If you don't have one in your house, tell me why you don't. Are you talking to me? <laughs> no, I'm just talking to the listener. <laughs> if they yeah. if they got a house and they don't have it, I mean, a lot of it's, you know, some of it's like signs of the Zodiac. Do I really need to know that? I don't know. Maybe not. That's debatable. But there's so much right. in there. It, and like you said, it's so damn small why not have one? I don't. So I, I've always thought if I found myself back in time, this is the book that I would want to have because it. I mean, all just all this elemental information about the hardness of metals and and different. Uh, man, I'm just going to read off the list. Um, composition of air, physical properties of air, densities of gases, standard atmosphere definition, general gas laws and formulas, density of moist air elevation versus air and water properties, dry air specific heat and sound velocity, on and on and on and on. And that stuff doesn't sound terribly useful to me, uh, but we get down into things like um, uh, capacity, ampacity versus temperature correction, copper wire current capacity, standard lamp and extension cord current capacity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This man, I, this thing has so much information in it. I'm, I'm not doing it justice, man. But you need one of these books. Agreed. All right, brother. Well, that is the book of the week. Do you want to go ahead and take us out? Yeah, let's close this thing up, man. Thank, thank, guys and gals, thanks for listening to Justin and I here on Across the Peak. Check us out at CrossThePeak.com if you haven't already for show notes of this show and all of our previous shows and all the shows to come, and as well as additional content that we're going to be putting up. Um, until next week, I want you guys to remember, be safe. And if you can't be safe, be dangerous. <laughs> You've been listening to the Across the Peak podcast. Be sure to visit acrossthepeak.com for show notes and bonus content. Until then, be safe. And if you can't be safe, be dangerous.